Hey guys, this is Mel. And this is Fur, and we want to welcome you back to Bullish. As you all may know, at Bullish, our goal is to keep you up to date on what's happening in the markets and the economy. We're also going to be learning alongside you guys from our guests in the coming weeks as we talk to different experts and industry professionals while we explore all kinds of different topics from investing for beginners to what is a 401k and how should I be managing my employee benefits, how to deal with taxes once you're no longer a dependent, how to jumpstart a dream for years, and even why corporations are so often portrayed as the bad guy. So hopefully you'll be learning something interesting each time you tune in because that's our goal. Yeah, and with that being said, you do not really need to have a background in finance or economics. This podcast is still for you. We want to break things down for you guys and we want to explain some economic news in the most understandable way possible. So Fed, what is our topic for today? Today, we're going to be addressing the elephant in the room, the virtually invisible, microscopic, but deadly elephant. We're, of course, talking about the coronavirus. As you all may well know, from the past few months, COVID-19 has had a detrimental impact on the world and affected millions of people with the devastating loss of now more than 300,000 lives worldwide. Over 175 countries and territories have reported cases ranging from just a handful to the hundreds of thousands in larger countries. Exactly, which is why today we will be addressing the devastating global economic impact that the coronavirus has had on the world economy. So before we get into all the numbers and stats related to this economy and we start talking about energy and oil production um, Fer, tell us where you are. How are you doing? Because if you can't tell from the audio quality, we're definitely recording remotely. <laughs> yes. So I came back home to El Salvador for spring break for a week to visit my parents. And I ended up staying here for three months because all the airports are shut down and also all the borders are also shut down. So El Salvador is trying to keep all the disease outside from coming in and everything that's happening inside of the country just stop it from spreading outside too. Um, El Salvador is a hard situation just because it's a developing country, emerging economy. So the economic impact that this pandemic will have not only as of right now but also in the future as a lot of people have lost their jobs a lot of small and medium-sized businesses have had to close and other detrimental effects it's not just going to last for a little bit it's going to be a long time for the country to get back to where it was um so there's a lot of things also going on in the country for example there's some um you know peaceful protests going on along the lines that a lot of people don't really agree with some measures that the government has been posting um transportation public transportation has been shut down all over the the country so people cannot really go from home to their jobs and the jobs are very limited here right now. Only super essential workers are allowed to work. A lot of factories for food production and production of masks and things like that have actually been shut down. So um, it's kind of scary um, healthcare wise. They're building a massive hospital They've been building this for like two months. I think that it has like 15% progress right now as we speak, but it's with aims for it to be the like largest hospital in Latin America. We'll see what happens, but yeah. How about you, Mel? How's everything going in Texas? Yeah, we're hanging in there. These are definitely unprecedented times. We left St. Mary's fully thinking that we were going to be coming back after spring break. 
we had so many plans and we really never imagined that this was going to happen, but I'm home right now, still in South Texas. So um, the thing about being in the U.S. is that in terms of quarantine, the rules are really um, dependent on what state you're in or even what city you're in. I know we both saw on social media that our friends and classmates were going out to lunch at different restaurants in San Antonio to celebrate graduation, and that was definitely not the case for me down here in Laredo. Um, very early on in this pandemic, our city officials were very proactive in stating city ordinances, making it mandatory for people to wear masks in public. We have a 10 p.m. curfew that was extended until May 30th, and parks only recently started reopening with strict social distancing guidelines. So, um, you know, it's kind of weird to see that, you know, meanwhile, beaches in Florida are open and I think it's just safe to say that if you're in the U.S., how you've experienced living through this pandemic and what you consider appropriate as far as social distancing may vary widely depending on where you live. We're definitely not on the same page um, here. But anyway, speaking of graduation, congratulations, class of 2020. Yeah, if you hadn't already guessed from the theme of this podcast, Mel and I are both finance and risk management majors from St. Mary's University class of 2020. We're, of course, expected to walk with our classmates, and we didn't really get to formally thank our professors and everyone else who supported and guided us all through college, but we're making the best of it, and we really hope you are too and staying healthy and safe. So with that being said, let's get into the episode The first topic we'll be addressing today is very much linked to this pandemic, um, and it's jobs, or rather job loss. As I'm sure we've all heard in the news, there are some daunting numbers out there related to rising unemployment claims in the U.S. due to businesses shutting down. Small and mid-sized non-essential businesses have without a doubt felt the impact of having to close their doors to customers in an effort to slow the spread of this disease. For many of our peers, internships have been postponed or set online, and some companies have even started rescinding job offers. In the two months between the beginning of March and end of April, more than 30 million people have filed for unemployment in the United States. However, this is not only a U.S. you know catastrophe, this is a global concern. In the United Kingdom, for example, around 1 million people filed for unemployment benefits just in the two last weeks of March. Also in Japan, it has reported 1.76 million unemployment claims. Yeah, so we also read that in newly updated global growth projections, the International Monetary Fund stated that the global economy is expected to experience its worst recession since the Great Depression. And one of the major contributing factors to this, I mean, along with the U.S. economy and the economy in China, would be the economy in the U.K., which Bloomberg reported shrank by almost 6% just in the month of March. So, of course, officials are warning the country is facing a significant recession. So what exactly is a recession? A recession occurs when there are two or more consecutive quarters of negative economic growth, as measured by gross domestic product, which we call GDP, or other indicators of macroeconomic performance, including unemployment. During this period, businesses see less demand and begin to lose a lot of money. Exactly. So to cut costs and stem losses, companies have to begin laying off workers, which of course contributes to generating higher levels of unemployment. 
with fewer jobs, people are earning less and therefore they're spending less and so on. The cycle continues. Businesses stop growing or generating revenues. They're faced with making tough decisions to lay people off or even shut down completely. And the reality is that people at all income levels feel the impact of a recession. However, projections show that those living below the poverty line will be disproportionately affected by this crisis. The World Bank warns that COVID-19 is likely to cause the first increase in global poverty since 1998, pushing more than 49 million people worldwide into extreme poverty by the end of the year. A large majority of these people are expected to be in South Asia, around 16 million, and Sub-Saharan Africa, around 23 million. So what does this mean? Well, the World Bank defines extreme poverty as living on $1.25 or less a day. Now, in 1990, almost 36% of the world's population lived on less than $1.90 a day. According to the most recent estimates in 2015, that number has come way down to 10%. So basically, we went from 1.9 billion to roughly 730 million people living in or close to extreme poverty which may not be enough, but it is progress. And one of the scariest things about this pandemic is that the World Bank estimates that the ongoing crisis will erase almost all the progress that has been made. Job loss, loss of remittances, which is when people send money back to their home country, rising prices for goods and disruption in services, such as education and healthcare, will have a disproportionate impact on people living below the poverty line. The global extreme poverty rate could rise by 0.3 to 0.7 percentage points to around 9% in 2020. Our second topic for today is energy. U.S. oil prices have turned negative for the first time in history. That means oil producers are paying buyers to take the commodity off their hands over fears that storage capacity could run out in May. Demand for oil has all but dried up as lockdowns across the world have kept people inside. If refineries ultimately don't want oil, it has little to no value. If you have oil and nowhere to put it, it can have a negative value. There's a big concern that this might be repeated once again because of several issues with storage capabilities, decrease in demand, and the fact that production has not been cut down as rapidly as it should. Our last topic for today is how businesses will adapt. In the past couple of months, there has been much volatility in the markets. Several popular retail companies such as J. Crew, Neiman Marcus, and JCPenney have filed for bankruptcy as they are unable to remain profitable amid brick-and-mortar store closings. This crisis has shown us how important adaptability is for a company. Stores that have had to close from one day to the next, having no online presence, have lost a disproportionate amount of revenue compared to those who were either able to develop an online platform quickly or already had an established user-friendly e-commerce interface. I think a textbook example that we may all remember of a business failing to innovate in order to remain competitive is Toys R Us. They didn't adapt their business model to incorporate technology or adjust to the changes in consumer behavior led by the growth of e-commerce in the early 2000s. And they ultimately failed. As much as we loved that giraffe, it was a lot more convenient for busy working parents to buy their kids toys on Amazon and have them delivered to their doorstep. 
Exactly. Several companies will have to adapt their business model if they want to remain competitive in a post-COVID-19 world due to the fact that consumer behavior will probably change. McKenzie conducted a survey in 41 countries along the lines of consumer spending significant time on home-based activities. To work around restrictions, consumers have adopted digital and low-touch solutions like video conferencing, curbside pickup for groceries, and telemedicine. 40 to 60% of surveyed consumers who adopted these new products and services intend to continue using these services in the future. Yeah, I think as far as shopping, the most common example of this might be curbside pickup for groceries. My family has definitely used this service um, during this time of quarantine, and it's very convenient. Like, f- full disclosure, I had never used the service pre-pandemic, um, and I'm not really one of those people that hates grocery shopping. I love cooking, but now I really don't see the point in walking around the store for, well, like, any amount of time when I can just find 10 minutes in between tasks in my day to open an app, click on what I need, and then pick it up the next day from the store. Other sectors of entertainment and travel, such as cruises, have experienced a big hit to their revenues. For example, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings posted a net loss on Thursday of $1.88 billion due to the fact that the pandemic has halted travel. Also in travel, there is a big threat to the airline industry despite the billions of dollars in emergency funding that the sector has received as part of the CARES Act. What exactly is the CARES Act, though? The CARES Act, or the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, also known as the CARES Act, is a law meant to address the economic fallouts of COVID-19 in the United States. And it provides assistance for American workers, families, and small businesses in an effort to preserve jobs for American industries. The bill provided $61 billion in grants and loans, as well as excise tax relief for the aviation industry. Many executives in the airline industry, however, are projecting it will take three to five years for travel to not return to prior levels. So related to the U.S. government granting aid to businesses, another remarkable thing that happened recently is that the Federal Reserve Bank of New York announced they will be buying corporate bond exchange traded funds, which is, again, remarkable because the Fed has never bought ETFs before. They're doing this, of course, to support the financial system and the economy and to decrease volatility in the markets during this crisis. Okay, let's break things down. The first thing to learn is what exactly are ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, commonly termed as ETFs, are a collection of securities such as stocks, bonds, gold, and other commodities, foreign currencies, oil futures, etc., which are traded like shares in the stock market. It is like a fund which owns some underlying assets, and the ownership is predetermined as shares. ETFs are like when you don't really want to invest in just one stock, so you invest in multiple stocks or certain types of stocks, and they normally trade in commission-free. Something very important about ETFs is they allow for diversification in a portfolio. The second term is corporate bonds. When you invest in a corporate bond, you're essentially making a loan to the company rather than getting an ownership stake, which you get through shares. So by purchasing corporate bond exchange traded funds, the Fed said it would buy corporate debt by buying ETFs full of corporate bonds. And if the Fed is buying corporate debt and telling businesses they can pay it back at a low interest, there's a better chance those businesses will survive. 
And if those businesses survive, there's a better chance that more than 33 million Americans who've lost their jobs might get rehired soon. So to conclude, because of all these factors that we just went over and others that we will be discussing in later episodes, many advanced economies are expecting to enter a recession this year. The impact that COVID-19 will have on developing countries and their economies is also of great concern as they are already in a fragile state. Some people think that once the virus is contained and they're able to return to shopping malls, offices, and travel again, everything will go back to normal. To others, this seems unlikely due to the great amount of distress and challenges that have emerged, mainly with unemployment and corporate bankruptcy. Job loss really affects consumer spending, which means a return to normalcy or even to where the economy was a couple months ago is probably not what will occur in reality anytime soon. Through the next episodes, we really want to go over more detail onto some specific economic and market-related changes that have occurred and will happen in the near future. As we see what lies beyond, we want to explore how the pandemic will affect consumer spending, supply chains, risk management, the law, individual companies, their future growth strategies, and more, while at the same time help you better understand these topics through the help of professionals in the field. As well, we will address the everlasting changes that this pandemic will have on colleges and students who are either graduating or just graduated like us and some challenges and opportunities they might encounter as they enter a wounded labor force. So thank you guys so much for tuning into Bullish. Remember to follow us on our social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram at the Bullish Pod. Let us know if you have any questions or have any topics that you find interesting and would like us to talk about or address. Until next time, guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in.